Hello, I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I'm joined this week and every week, in fact, by my friend and co-host Imogen Edwards-Jones. Imogen, hello. Hello. Coming up on today's show, is Jeff Bezos' trip up to space the biggest midlife crisis ever? Technology journalist and space enthusiast Tom Wiggins is going to try and convince me otherwise. We'll be joined by Claire McIntosh, best-selling author and former police officer, whose new book Hostage is out this month. Former Bond girl Britt Eklund has admitted that she regrets getting fillers. Is overfilling something we need to worry about or has technology improved? We've got one of the top aesthetic doctors in the UK, Dr Nyla Raja, to answer these questions. But first, a second cricketer has erased his tweet exposed by a website, despite the fact that he was just 15 when he tweeted it. Parenting coach Sue Atkins joins me to discuss teens and their behaviour on social media. Hello Imogen, how are you today? Oh, uh, quite fun. I've been slightly obsessed with old Megan. I think everybody has been. I know, it's been know. quite gripping. I know the it? name, Lilibet. I know. Diana. Yeah. You said something quite funny to me about it. You said like... <laughs> I don't think we could... It sounds like a ropey old tampon. A woke tampon. A woke tampon. <laughs> sounds like a woke tampon. Uh, maybe we Lilette. can't say that. I don't know. One doesn't want to be cancelled. Oh, no, like everyone no, else Like everybody else. Although everyone else has been cancelled, so perhaps then... There'd be we, nobody left. We would just remain. But, uh, yes, no, so there's been the baby, and there's been the name of the baby, and then there's been the website name of the baby, yep. and then there's been the argument about whether the Queen knew about knew, the baby. Or and now Harry's or saying he's going to sue the BBC. Does that mean he's going to make the Queen go to court to I testify? Know. Well, that would be great, wouldn't it? Because that's what you'd have to do, I think, yes. if you took... she pop her crown to one side. <laughs> say, I swear on my own life. <laughs> Um, so uh, there's that. What else is there? No, being? the one that I particularly like is the book, obviously, as an yes. As, so I've already I, I see half price in Waterstones. Yes, great. I so I've written twenty three books. I know, uh, but I've never done a children's mm. book, mainly because they're so incredibly mm. they're very difficult. difficult. I did something called the Great Big Glorious Book for Girls about a thousand years ago. It was really hard, actually. It's hard. Um, sort of the tone and also. What's, what I particularly like about this book is, A, that Harry appears to be in the wrong uniform. He's in an American uniform with a little pink cap rather than a beret. Is what he okay, should be wearing. very good. And also the weird tone of the book. Yes. So she's, as she's writing, she said, he, he'll run, he'll fall, he'll take it in his stride. And it's like she's ordering him. She's just telling him what to do, basically. Tell him he will. Yes. So, yeah. No, no, yeah. She, he shall. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. It's like the, it's the wrong sort of future. No. But also, I think the thing is, it's not really a children's book. No. Because it's obviously not... I mean, you wouldn't really read that to your child. I mean, you know... You might read it once. Might read it once. The illustrations, I think, are really awful and watery. <laughs> they're just like... They're the sort of terrible thing that you see in sort of generic sort of library books about teaching people to read yes or in as as i said to you <laughs> or like in a, in a sort of like a sex education yes book that yeah. you might find in a yeah. pamphlet and you... I, the perspective's not very good on them either no everything's a bit flat i know and it's a bit joyless mm. and you know, as a child very joyless yeah, yeah as a child you, what you want is some joy <laughs> and, and also children and... like jeopardy in books that's why they like where the world things are that's why they like monsters, monsters. that's why they like the gruffalo they don't really want to be told to, to be huggy and kissy with everybody. No. Uh, just, uh, you know, anyway, but, you know, that's it. I suppose... Uh, good luck to her. Good luck or, to her. Yes, yeah. I mean, yes, I just... Yeah, I, as, an, as an author, I have quite... It, it feels a little bit odd to me. But anyway, there's been other news. There has, actually. Uh, has there? <laughs> yes, apparently there are other things apart from a baby in America. 
There are other things. And one of the other things is this Ollie Robinson story about this cricketer who's been cancelled for saying very stupid things about 10 years ago. I know. And the thing is, I just, I know that, you know, actually the things he said were quite stupid and quite rude, but, you know, all teenagers say stupid and rude things. It's because they don't have a frontal lobe. Their prefrontal lobe isn't fully developed until they're about 25. Yeah, also also uh, the idea that you can't really tell a joke on mm, Twitter no. because there's no nuance or no. Uh, uh, tone. No, you can't tell a joke on a text message either no. for the same reason. Well, I mean, I don't think you and I can because <laughs> we're very old. Yeah. Maybe the young people can. But it's it's very difficult. I mean, it's uh, if you're trying to be flip or funny yeah. or... Uh, Never comes across no, right. No, it really doesn't. Irony is mm. a very bad thing to try and mm. put into uh, social media. But I also think that... Uh, that you're looking at a tweet that's 10 years old through the the mores mm. of of the of a different time yeah. actually so. but also i think other thing the other thing is people grow up and they change don't mm. they i mean i'm incredible i'm a very different person from the person i was when i was 18 you know the whole point about life is that it's it's you know not to sound too much like megan but it's a journey <laughs> <laughs> and you know, <laughs> you try to improve, and and yeah. and if you're and if you're always going to be shackled to your idiotic eighteen-year-old self, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to have a chat about this whole idea of your past coming back to haunt you. Mm. Oh God. And as the mother of teenagers, and you you've also got teenagers. I have. Yep. You got one coming down the slip, but you've also already got one who is already a teenager. Fully. I just think it was quite interesting to talk about you know how you can sort of try and help your teenagers not ruin their lives basically because that because you know they do well yes they even do. if they don't become a, a, you know an england cricketer mm. at some point someone's going to google them you know if they've had a job interview or if they've met somebody or whatever and and this stuff never goes away yeah i know i mean i always think how many photographs of your backside do you need to put no, up quite, on a quite, tiktok right exactly so that's what we're going to do so we're going to be joined by sue atkins who's an expert on teenagers god thank god someone's an expert on I know, teenagers crikey. um <laughs> hello sue hello how are you i'm very well how are you yeah good, good thank you enjoying the right. sunshine so sue imogen and i have been talking about this ollie robertson story about him being cancelled for tweets that he uh did when he was a sort of teenager and i also understand that there's another cricketer who's in mm. in the hot water um for stuff that he said when he was 15 and of course he can't be identified because it happened when he was that you know younger and um, both imogen and i have got teenagers and my teenagers are often quite stupid online, I have to say. <laughs> I can't speak for Imogen's. Um, oh, mine uh, are very talented online. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> um, ha- and, uh, you know, all I've, I've, it's not as though I haven't told both of mine not to be stupid online. I, you know, I repeatedly tell them not to do things, and I'm always sort of forwarding kind of stories about people who are stupid online. And then <laughs> they, but for some reason, it just doesn't sink in. They just don't seem to understand. And I just, why is that? <laughs> what, what can I do? What can we do? <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? I suppose it's not just one talk. You know, it's not like the birds and the bees talk either. That's mm. not just one talk. It's about sort of talking and teaching moments as your child matures and gets ready, I suppose, right. to be online. And it's about sort of discouraging gossip and spreading rumours and bullying and all these things that we do, but dripping it in often and also being a role model ourselves, of course. No point in sort of saying all this and then going off and doing something completely different. Mm. I suppose it's a little bit like training a dog, which is not really a great analogy, but, (laughs) you know, when you've got a puppy, you have to keep on reminding them. So I suppose it's the same thing, isn't it, with your kids? Yeah, absolutely. And and also, my do this awful thing where they, they give me an account that I'm allowed to look at, which 
which is not their oh, account at all. Oh, gosh, the shadow account. <laughs> the shadow account. Yes, d- yes, d- good point. Yes. And lots of parents don't even know about that kind of side yes. of it too. And so I think a lot of my work is also around talking and teaching parents mm. not to put their head in the sand. No. And just because you don't understand it, don't hide away from it. You know, get your kids to show you certain things. Mm. Get them to sort of show you what sort of is going on. Because I admit, this goes on at time and immemorial. My kids are, what, 28 and 26 now. And I mm. remember MSN. I don't know if you remember that. It's going mm. back a bit. Yeah, but yeah. we used to keep the computer, which is easier, I suppose, than the laptop, in the utility room. Mm. So I used to walk past, look over their shoulder, keep an eye on it and all the rest of it. It is harder now. Because, because of, the of course, smartphones, the, yeah. they're all in different rooms, aren't they, yeah. on different devices. Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose it, it, you just got to keep talking and trying to teach them haven't you so is there any sort of hard and fast rule of things that you absolutely shouldn't do when 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 you're a teenager on social media it's so interesting isn't it because if i look back when i was at university or something you know having a few drinks and wearing an elf outfit i'm very glad nobody (laughs) took a photo of me and plastered it all over instagram but i think it is that important thing to sort of show examples as well of stuff that isn't okay Mm. And to not nag, it's all about, for me, with parenting, Mm. don't nag your kids, because that just switches them off and they don't even hear you. Mm. It's to kind of keep that dialogue going. And in those sort of ordinary moments of walking the dog or driving somewhere, that you have these sorts of conversations. And hopefully you teach your children values so that they're not going to be posting up racist or, you know, unhelpful or bullying remarks, because you wouldn't do that in real life. No. So why would you do it online? Because you can hide away from it. I mean, the thing is, is, but but, but they just sometimes, I just think teenagers don't seem to understand. Don't think, I think. They don't understand Mm. the jeopardy. It's very difficult. It's, it's, you know, it's like, it's a bit like having a baby. You know, you can, people can tell you what it's like, but until you actually do it, you don't understand it. And I think with teenagers, that's the same sort of thing. You can tell them about this stuff, but until they actually get into hot water as a result mm. of it. They don't really understand the implications. Mm. You think it's that sort of general recklessness well, you know, yeah. they the, have, yeah. The, the teenage brain is actually wired. It's changing and it's wired for risk. Mm. And that's why they don't see it. You know, they, mm. they kind of go off and do it on a tangent and think they know better and, you know, yeah. take chances in all sorts of areas of their lives. And like everything, we're kind of there to pick them up when they mm. kind of fall over a bit. But I suppose with this conversation, for me, it's talking and teaching about tolerance, which is an ongoing conversation in any event. And kind of as a rule of thumb is to sort of say it with, well, you know, you wouldn't want your grand to see that. <laughs> yes, but I think, I mean, I think the thing is, I mean, I have a teenage son who's 16 and, you know, you get five of those 16-year-old boys together in a room yeah. mm. and they egg oh, each other on <laughs> and they say the most yeah. ridiculous things and they and they, yeah. and they they sort of do this kind of banter and they, it, 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 you know, there is always, and there's always one who goes a bit too far. Who yeah. ups the ante. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, and so yeah. I don't think it's to do yeah. with, you know, they don't go from naught to saying something awful. There's a process and there's a sort of, mm. there's, there's peer pressure. And I think that quite a lot of the things that my children say are not anything that I've taught them to say. They're just saying them because they're in a stupid group of stupid people and they're doing stupid things. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, I yeah, think bravado. there's a, yes, bravado and peer pressure. And, mm. you know, there are all sorts of other factors as well. Um, you know, popular culture, pop music, yep. you know, a lot of the stuff yeah. that... Yeah. And I think for them it's very difficult because a lot of the stuff that they're being told not to do and say is then done and said 
somewhere else in in pop music yeah. i mean you know the yeah. words that the words the, the words they're not allowed yeah. to use are then being sung to them and it's very, i think it's quite confusing actually at the end yeah. of the day yes and i suppose that's for parents then mm. to try and navigate that a bit but it's all in the tone of voice it's mm. all in the attitude yeah. as soon as you sledgehammer it yeah. they just switch off so it's about nudging them in the right direction isn't i it? personally think we should just ban all smartphones for under 16s Oh, you'd be the most oh, unpopular person. No, I in know. I think I would, but I just think if they just didn't have them, then they just couldn't do it. That's it. End of. Oh, that's like cutting off their right arm, isn't well, it? No. <laughs> well, I was fine. We all grew up without they, it. They might actually do something else with yeah, their right arm. Yeah, they might read a now. book. Yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, <Just> drawing. <laughs> anyway, thanks very much, Sue. That's very interesting. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Lovely to talk with you. Take care. That was Sue Atkins, who is a former deputy head teacher and a parenting coach. Okay, Imogen, Mm -hmm. can you answer this question for me? (laughs) What is it about small, bald, very wealthy people that they like to eject things into space? I can't be pointy objects. Comment on that. I just yes. So this is Jeff Bezos, who has decided to join Elon Musk and Richard Branson in doing a space thing. He's he's going to have a big rocket in his pocket, not in his pocket. <laughs> well, I it's it's like it's like space is the new midlife crisis, isn't it? <laughs> it's like it, you know, before you'd see very elderly men in in uh, tiny Porsches with very young ladies and <laughs> which they're think, unable to get in and out exactly, of without the use of their Zimmer. into their sciatica. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so obviously if you're a billionaire a rocket is the new Porsche. Yes, I mean, what it is. Y- uh, you know, there's a there's always a yacht, which is a lovely waste of money, obviously. Yes, but that's good. but a rocket is a proper waste of money. But it yeah. also it it is also a, just a massive erection. Obviously, let's be honest. Yes, it is. Um, it's very phallic, <laughs> and also it uh, it basically destroys itself on entry, which. <laughs> <laughs> You can impregnate the neighbouring galaxies with your massive amounts of money. Anyway, um, as you can see, I I think the whole thing is a bit stupid. So we're going to be joined uh, by somebody who's going to try and convince me that it's not a bit stupid. And that person is going to be Tom Wiggins. Poor Tom. Good luck, Tom, is is all I can say. It's this week's Change Finds Mind. Take it away, Tom. Yeah, Okay. So I don't know about you, but I mean, if we really must have a world that includes billionaires, I'd much rather they spent their money on something crazy like going into space uh, than just adding, you know, a fifth super yacht to their collection. You know, this is kind of feels like real life Iron Man territory, the kind of stuff most of us dream about, but never have any chance of making a reality. And it's it's not just something that he's come up with, you know, last year while he was sat in one of his mansions during lockdown. Uh, this, This has been 20 years in the making. So, I mean, people will always ask why when it comes to stuff like this. But, you know, the history of let's say, human endeavour is littered with kind of seemingly pointless escapades, you know, climbing Mount Everest, going to the moon, (laughs) making jammy dodges that are the size of dustbin lids. It's the the because it's their attitude, you know, that encourages, uh, you know, for us to to push the boundaries and do things we wouldn't normally, you know. Um, Yes. Things that seem pointless but aren't, I, I would say. And, I mean, most of those are also done entirely selfishly. And although this, you know, first mission is just him, and his brother, and they're, they're actually opening it up to, to auction for a, a third person. Uh, you know, nobody's been on holiday to the moon since NASA went there in the 60s. Normally, it's just done for someone to say, look, we did this. But I feel like there's more of a kind of philanthropic is probably not the right word, but, you know, it's getting towards that that way. Yeah. And the more rich people we have doing stuff like this, I think the more chance there is that it does kind of democratise the whole thing. And 
makes it possible that, you know, people like us do get a chance to do things like this. You know, Jeff Bezos isn't the first. He's one of many that are doing this kind of thing. Mm. He won't be the first man in space, of no. course. But he might, he might be the first one that sends your next-door neighbour into space. I've got no idea what your next-door neighbour's like, I'd but maybe that's where you like Actually, to send, I'd, like I'd like to send my next-door neighbour's children into space at the moment. I'd like my whole family so space. <laughs> Is there a family ticket? I think finally... <laughs> exactly. I mean, they might be quite pricey, but uh, but that that's that's on the horizon, surely, one day. I mean, also, finally, I, I would like to say, if you don't like Jeff Bezos, then surely there's no better place for him than <gasps> in space, space in a rocket that looks like a giant metal penis. Oh, Tom. Well, Tom, <laughs> I, you know what? You have changed my mind. I feel really mean now for laughing at Jeff's massive penis. His massive erection. His massive erection. I feel very, very, very mean. And, and of course, it's all very good. I wasn't expecting that, so I'm very pleased. Thanks very much, Tom. It's so nice to speak to you. Brilliant. That was technology journalist and space enthusiast Tom Wiggins, who did change my mind. You're listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine. You can visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. And if you want to get in touch, you can tweet us at mailplus or me at Westminster Wag. Former police officer Claire McIntosh has sold two million books worldwide and has been top of Sunday Times bestseller lists multiple times. She was the town sergeant in Chipping Norton before becoming Thames Valley Police's operations inspector for Oxfordshire. And then she left in 2011 to become a full-time writer. Claire joins me now to discuss her new novel, Hostage, the follow-on to her smash hit debut, I Let You Go, and to give me her recommendations for summer reading. So, Claire, what is your new book, Hostage, about? Um, Hostage is a locked room thriller set on a long-haul flight from London to Sydney. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, it's sort of privately, as I was writing it, I was calling it Murder on the Orange Express meets Con Air. It's that kind of vibe. That sounds absolutely brilliant. Well, one hopes so. So, what happens? You're, you, everyone's trapped in a, in a metal tube flying through the air with guns, basically. It's, I mean, God, it's, it's the ultimate locked room, isn't it? There's, there's mm. nowhere to go. No. I'm slightly obsessed with aeroplanes. They, um, I've got a couple of friends who are pilots, and one of them talked to me once about how, how aeroplanes are like cities. They're like miniature cities in, in the air. Mm. And um, just like in real cities, things happen in them. You know, people are born and people die and mm. people have arguments and break up. And, and so it's this little slice of life where we are unusually unconnected, disconnected from, from our hyper-connected lives. Yes, and it's the one place you can't really text anyone, can you? Well, you can, exactly. but it won't get through. Yes. Exactly. Um, and so in this particular story, a flight attendant receives an anonymous threat early on in the journey um, that makes her choose between protecting the lives of all the passengers on the plane or her family um, who she thought were safe at home <gasps> and aren't, obviously. Where are they? Well, I can't tell you because obviously that would... No, be that would ruin it, wouldn't it? Well, you're a former <laughs> police officer, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yes. I was a police so officer for 12 years. Recently, um, the whole country's been gripped by line of duty. You're an ex-policewoman, so, so maybe you should write the next one because the ending, let's face it, wasn't very good, was yeah, it? Yeah, I love... I love it. I mean, my husband and I are both, both ex-police officers, right. different departments. He was a um, diplomatic protection, armed protection officer, um, and I was a riot commander, public order commander. Right. And we sit there shouting at the television and, you know, laughing at all the unrealistic things <laughs> that happen and the dialogue is atrocious. Please tell me what is the worst, most unrealistic thing that has happened. Please tell me that. 
Oh, God, that's just so much. I mean, the casual handing out of guns for people's <laughs> own protection you know, is, is just ludicrous. Um, but it's the, for us, it's the tiny things that, that mark it out as being really inauthentic. It's, it's officers standing up when a senior officer comes into the room. That never happens, does may, it? Well, you know, I mean, maybe it happens in the army still, and it happened in the, in the police 30 years ago. But certainly by the time I joined... There just wasn't that sort of hierarchy. Would you write a book about a bent cock? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Let's get Jilly Cooper on. Let's get Jilly Cooper on and we can have a... Rupert Campbell Black and his bent cock. (laughs) Well, there you go. There's your next book. No, but would you write a book about a bent cop? I would. I would because I think it's rich territory and I think there's this, that there's this assumption, a justified assumption, that people who uphold the law should be beyond reproach. Yes. Um, and, and of course they should be, but fundamentally... They're just humans. Every, every, they're all humans yeah. and all these people in positions of responsibility, positions of power, whether it's teachers, the clergy, police officers, they are all human and all of us have the capacity to do terrible things mm. if our buttons are pushed. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, I'm a, I write psychological thrillers. Mm. That's my area, is, is that grey area between good and bad mm. that anyone could cross. Yeah. So apart from obviously recommending your own novel, Hostage, which is out when? Uh, June 22nd. June 22nd. Is there any other book that you would recommend for summer reading? Because I suspect we're all going to be doing a lot of reading this summer because it doesn't look as though we're going to be going on holiday abroad. So it'll be staycations on a sofa. Yeah, and escapism through the pages of novels, Mm -hmm. which is uh, not a bad exchange. So I think everyone should read The Eighth Girl by Maxine Mayfung Chung. So she is a former, and I'm going to get the term wrong because I've not got it in front of me. I want to say psychologist. I think it's slightly more specific than Mm -hmm. that. And she writes about a character with multiple personality disorder. It is phenomenal. It's really, really powerful and quite disorientating. And then also really recommending to everyone at the moment, Watch Her Fall by Erin Kelly. Erin writes brilliant psychological thrillers. And this particular one is based in the ballet world, which is not a world I know anything about or have read about. But it's a really gripping, intoxicating novel about prima ballerinas fighting it out to have the lead role in Swan Lake. Um, And it's just fantastic with a belter of a twist. Okay, that sounds brilliant. Thank you very much. I'm going to read both of those. Apparently, I've Googled them already, and apparently the first one you recommended has already been optioned by Netflix. So there you go. Oh, it's going to be fantastic on Netflix. Well, I hope you'll come back on again, and I hope wish you all the best with Hostage. Thank you very much, Claire McIntosh. Very lovely to speak to you. Thanks, Sarah. Always a pleasure. So, Emmy, the other story that caught my eye this week was Britt Eklund. Oh, I love her. I know. Isn't she fabulous? But she was talking about how she'd had all these fillers at quite an early stage of the filler thing. Oh, I know. And they sort of ruined her face, a bit like Meg Ryan. And who's the other one? Leslie Ash. Leslie Ash. Yes. Leslie Ash. Yeah. No, there is a... I think they were actually incredibly dangerous in those I think times. so. I think so. And also they, they were they were very different to what they are like today. Well, you can take them out today, which yes. you didn't, weren't able to do. And also Priscilla Presley, didn't she yeah. have a load of dodgy but I, fillers? But I had collagen live on the word. Do you remember? I did. It was marvellous. Yes. But that, but that, that was, was in, that was really was that, early in 1873 days. or yeah, something. Yes, yeah, 1603. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I had to uh, test drive my lips, uh, my snogging, right, said Fred. Um, the lead singer of... Can we have to say snog on this show? Yes, you can say snog, yes. Uh, um, and, uh, but I do remember them being quite hard and yeah. and a bit chewy. And has it gone now? Yes, it has. But I do remember having yeah. a big lump. But actually, I used to quite enjoy chewing while, <laughs> while doing work. <laughs> but the other thing about fillers is that the way the light catches them in photographs Ooh. is very different yeah. from, from the way they look in real life. So actually, you have to be a bit careful because they do change the surface of the skin sometimes. Yes, yeah. Um, and they can, they, they can go hard as well, don't they? And they, they go... can go hard. But now, you see, they use them for all sorts of things. Like They use them for nose jobs now mm. where they sort of basically put little fillers. And, and they are much, I mean, they're much higher grade that you know the, the the actual products themselves are much less. Yeah, before dangerous. it was like having a, a big bag of cement put in your face. <laughs> Basically, it was like it was like uh, you know polyfiller, uh, poly literally yeah. polyfiller. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we're going to be joined by um, Dr. Nyla, who is a super top expert on fillers. Dr. Nyla, hi. Hi there. So, Dr. Nyla, um, Briss Eckland was talking about how her fillers had sort of ruined her face, and then she listed a whole lot of other people. Can you tell us? You know, how have fillers changed since... I mean, she would have been having them sort of 20 years ago, I think. Is that right? Yeah. What's the history yeah. of these of these, of these these treatments? Yeah, no, so obviously, originally, there was fillers which were more permanent fillers and we, they were silicone-based and people were using these, but obviously there was more... Um, they were not as reversible when mm. you had some poor effects. Um, so people have generally gone to more hyaluronic acid-based fillers. Mm. Um, I think you've probably heard of... The, the major one is um, Juvederm, made by Allergan, and that's the filler which obviously most people are kind of very popular. Mm. And these particles were slightly larger particles, and obviously this is it's basically made of a, a naturally occurring sugar in the body, and it just kind of restores moisturiser and as well as volume and elasticity. Mm. And obviously the idea is that as, as we get older, hyaluronic acid depletes, mm. so we, obviously skin loses volume and wrinkles start to appear more naturally. Mm. Um, but obviously when we inject hyaluronic acid, it will almost act like a sponge attracting water into the skin. Right. And therefore it produces this natural plumping area. Now, fillers used to last, you know, they, they were semi-permanent, so they would last probably up to six months. And what were they made of? They, they were made of silicon, were they? Silicon particles? No, no, they, yeah, they were more silicon-based, and then there was non-semi-permanent. Right. Um, and obviously there was some more traditional fillers, um, which were more kind of, there was, you know, things like Sculptra, which were used right. based on um, yes, polylactic acid. Right, yes. And they, they tend to encourage the formation of kind of collagen. Right, okay. And then there's other ones which, are, you know, there's some that are based similar to like calcium hydroxyapatite, which is like a mineral which is found in, you know, teeth and bones. And there's some which are made based on these calcium particles, which these tend to be more permanent. Right. And right. obviously they last a lot longer even though they're more permanent and they can obviously when injected very well they can produce a very you know a really good improvement um, however it's changed more recently to sort of vicos technology which gives much more smaller particles they they tend to last longer um, but obviously each filler range as it progresses you get um, a superseded by a newer range and obviously each range has its own set of complications and side effects which can become more apparent the longer you use them the more people that use them mm. But generally, the mainstay of treatment now, currently, in all 
of the leading fillers is the use of a hyaluronic acid-based mm. filler, which is, as I say, it's a naturally occurring sugar in the body. Um, and it's based and designed to obviously draw water to it. So it's meant to plump the area, replace volume, and just, you know, you know, rather than stimulate a collagen. Mm-hmm. Dr. Nyla, can I ask you a question? Has the sort of yes, fashion, of the fashion in fillers changed? Because the sort of, the, that very big sort of pillow face look that, that yes. everyone seems to be having at the moment, I mean, it, they used to be sort of you want you know you wanted plump at the top so you've got a thinner bottom. I mean, how's the fashion in fillers changed? Well, it depends who the practitioner and who the treating physician is. I mean, Sarah knows me quite well, and I definitely don't like that pillow face look. Mm. I'm much more um, an advocate of natural collagen stimulation, so I pre- produce. I much prefer, you know, sort of super technologies such as you know treatments which will stimulate one's own collagen production. Yeah. So obviously, as ladies mature and we get to a certain age, we're not producing the natural elasticity due to the lack of estrogen. Mm. So therefore, if we are artificially stimulating this estrogen through the use of, you know, collagen stimulating treatments, you're going to get more elastin, more collagen, more fibre into the skin, which will naturally produce a lifted, tighter tighter effect, Mm. which subsequently means you can do tweaking with small amounts of filler. So so Botox is different for fillers. It's not the same thing at all, is it? It's a completely different thing. So Botox is, botulin toxin is a uh, muscle relaxant, Mm. which will relax fine lines so it's mm. made designed for the forehead the upper forehead around the eyes whereas fillers are volume replacements yeah. mm. which is why people can end up looking so pillow face mm. i mean obviously botox when it's over applied can obviously you can get those telltale signs where you look like an alien and you've got dr spock eyebrows etc yeah. but again this is just people who are not very well trained mm who are not treating the fundamental problem and the cause of the um, of the concern. Mm. That's, the, that's the problem here. Mm. Well, thank you very much. That's fascinating. No Gosh, uh, thank, God, thank God we're not living in the age of Brit Eklund's fillers. I know, I know. It'd be wow. awful, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's quite nice. But I mean, I do, I do think these fillers have almost replaced the need now for any sort of serious kind of yes. cosmetic intervention. Do you think they will eventually replace the facelift? Completely. I think they already have, to you be honest. Do. I yeah. definitely think. Um, I don't know, Sarah, if I could show you know share some of my my website with you. Look at my before mm. afters. Um, people, I mean, uh, you just don't. You look like you've had a facelift with me, mm. but you've no downtime. You've not had a single mm. um, you know invasive procedure, and everything I do is mostly non-surgical. Mm. And people do look phenomenal. They look mm. absolutely incredible. People look ten years younger. Mm. So if you find the right doctor mm. who doesn't want to launch in there with you know all these. Mi- you know tens of mils of pillars then you're going to look better for longer and mm. you're just going to look like you did a few years ago mm. Mm. yes not like a peculiar you know a peculiar caricature of yes yourself. i think i think quite soon actually women who haven't had some pillars are going to start to look kind of you know in terms of if you look at all the celebrities and then yeah. occasionally you see one who hasn't had work done Yes, and they really yes. stand out, don't they? It's very bizarre. <laughs> anyway, no, you're is... right because they look so. They do look, look not as normal. Fresh. They look normal. Yeah. Anyway, thank yeah. you so <laughs> much. Do- <laughs> thank you so much, Doctor Nyla. It was lovely no speaking to you. Oh, you as well. That was Doctor Nyla Raja. And now it's time for my favourite bit of the show. Teresa Chung, our resident astronomer. Astronomer? Astrologer. 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 Sorry, I do apologise. She's not an astronomer. It's, it's she's a, she's not, what's he called? A, a Galileo. Patrick. Patrick, <laughs> Patrick thing. There's been so much confusion this week about holidays. First you can go to Portugal, then you can't go to Portugal, then you can't get back from Portugal. It's enough to make you give up planning a summer getaway altogether. But never fear, 
Teresa is going to help us out. Teresa, so should we be bothering to plan ahead for the summer at all or should we just pack away our bikinis forever? I think I said a couple of weeks ago that June the 14th, we're in for a shock because we've got Saturn square Uranus and that's oh, always God. tension. Saturn wants to stay the same, Uranus wants to change and you've got this sudden unpleasant change. I don't think June the 14th is going to be music to our ears. And because we're still in Mercury retrograde, a lot of confusion, a lot of people are saying, what's happening, what's happening? This is absolutely classic for Mercury retrograde. And June the 14th what... is a Monday when, this, when they always make their shit announcement. The, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> when they always make the bad announcements. Be, it's not going to give us the clarity we want. And then I think the same thing is going to happen. It's going to be like wading till mud. June, June the 24th, which should be, you know, it's the summer solstice. Mm, mm. It's going to be very much down. I think the instructions what my instinct says looking at what the stars say is that these instructions are not going to be that clear and a lot of it's down to well, you surprised me choice. you surprised me really yeah. no clear angle on anything that's amazing no clear I think pathway turning a blind i think it's it's going to all be down to personal choice and as we move into leo which is a very passionate personal sign mm. as well dramatic i think a lot of people are going to make dramatic decisions based on their guts Mm. And I think the guidelines are going to be very difficult. And that's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to get more intuitive, use our common sense and go with the flow. So, I don't Teresa, think I'm not, I'm cut. not getting, I'm not You're getting, not no, it's not, I'm not getting holidays from you. I'm not getting Freedom Day on June the 21st. Yeah, but inner freedom. You know, it's focusing on the inner, you know, we have our inner freedom and what truly matters. I guess that's what Ugh. we've got to focus on. No, no, but we on, don't you know, want that. Health. We, want, we, we want our bikini freedom. That's I what we want. So freedom. want to tell you. <laughs> we want I our so glass want of rosé by the sea freedom. I want, I want some day wine. I want to, <laughs> some I day want to wine. see you both there. I so want to say that, but I, I'm just looking at what is <sighs> up there. No. And there's a lot of retrogrades and squares and tensions and it's going to be muddy for the yeah. summer months. But, you know... There's going to be a raise of hope. 2021 is definitely a better year astrologically than 2020. Right. We, we're not going to go as bad. Teresa, can I just say, it can't um, be much worse. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> it can't. But watch, do watch June the 14th, you know, sudden unpleasant. Do you think I should just not get up on and... June the 14th? Well, actually, the day not to get up is June the 13th. That's a oh. really disillusioned day. Oh, um, really? Um, you know, we've got Neptune and <laughs> Pisces, Gemini. Oh, it's God. not. It's, that's the kind of a day when, you know, not really good to sort of initiate new things, really. Okay. Just sort that's of lay out a bit on that Sunday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it's a duvet day then, love. A duvet day. Yeah. Right. Okay. Duvet day next Sunday, yeah. Well, we shall talk <laughs> again next week after after Black Sunday, or whatever it is we're going to call it now. Du duvet Sunday. Black Monday. Um, Miserable Monday and Duvet Sunday. So there's a nice new moon coming up tomorrow, uh, June the 10th. A nice solar eclipse, nice new moon in praise Gemini. Be, praise That's going to be, you know, but again, Gemini, it's all about crossed wires and communication hmm. issues. But the new moon, you know, new beginnings. Hmm. So... That's a bit positive that I'd like to end on. Thank That's you, Teresa. Thank you for that little you. crumb. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, okay. Teresa. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much. That was our resident astrologer, Teresa Chung. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. And if you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus or me at Westminster Wag.
You've been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine, and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you.